You've made the way, Lord. You came and broke down the door and so that we could enter into your house. Uh, Lord, you've gone far beyond inviting us. You've enabled us. You've, you've provided for us to come into your presence in so many different ways through worship, through singing, through baptism, and through your word. And we just pray that your anointing would come and help me communicate um, uh, what you put on my heart to share and, and that everyone here uh, have an open heart and mind. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I've been talking about Thanksgiving, and it's been a series. Uh, this is the final week of a four-part series on, on Thanksgiving, and it's a two-part word. You know, there's thankfulness, and then there's giving. You know, so it's actually looking at the biblical uh, teachings on um, generosity and gratitude. Uh, gratitude being thankfulness, generosity being giving. Uh, gratitude positions us to receive from God and from others. You know, when, when you live, when your heart is filled with gratitude, it just opens up the door. People are more likely to give to you because you're a thankful individual. And that works with God, too. If you're living a, a grateful life, if you're expressing gratitude, you're positioned, as it were, spiritually to receive. And generosity generates or produces uh, gratitude. You know, if you give gifts, you make people happy. Right? All right, and so generosity uh, generates gratitude, and so there's a benevolent cycle. We've talked about the word koinonia, which is a Greek word uh, for fellowship, uh, and our goal is really as a church that the whole church would be uh, functioning at 100% koinonia, 100% fellowship. You know, if each individual was uh, uh, functioning at 100% in this area, then, then we really would become the church of Jesus Christ and, and be able to attain all that God calls us to. So we need to understand what that word means. And I have talked about this each week because I think it's, it's vital that we understand uh, what it is. Koinonia is not just um, a word about fellowship like having coffee and donuts. I mean, that's part of it. It really is deeper than that. So it's, it's like a one-word summary of what the life of a New Testament church should embody. So it's, it's like the description of what it's supposed to be like to be part of a spiritual uh, family called the church. And it means three, three basic things. The first is participation, that everyone is participating. Uh, it's a community. You have a share in something. And so you're, you know, you're not just an observer. You're not just a spectator. Uh, that being uh, really ex experiencing and, and enjoying uh, a koinonia type fellowship is that you have to be a participant. So you have to be actively involved in some way. The second is intimacy, where there's real relationship. You know, it's again, not distant, not disconnected, but there's actually a connection on the heart level. And this is where I think uh, koinonia in many places should be translated friendship rather than fellowship, because it's drawing us into uh, a friendship. And just think, the people that we go to church with, uh, you know, we're going to live in community with them forever, you know, and so the, the relationships we build uh, now uh, will last uh, in eternity. And the third part of the meeting is, is contribution, and it literally means a collection uh, uh, of, and so there's, uh, uh, and in, the, in the dictionary, the Greek dictionary, it says a collection as exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. So here's an, an, an objective proof of fellowship is in the contribution or the giving of material goods. 
Um, and all of this, all three of them, if, if you're living only part, you know, only two, two of those three, you're only two-thirds enjoying what biblical fellowship means. And that's a deficit to you, but it's also a deficit to the church. In other words, we're not getting all of what we need from you. And maybe it's, maybe it's the, the contribution part, but maybe it's the participation or maybe it's the intimacy. All three are equally important. And so that's the message that I'm, this whole series is meant to convey. We're going to, look at, we're going to start with a, a Christmas-themed uh, scripture uh, that touches on this topic since it's almost Christmas. Did you enjoy the Christmas party last night? Yeah. Was that good? Yeah. You all ready for Christmas? <clears throat> all right. I should, I should get around to buying some Christmas gifts, shouldn't I? Well, we'll get to that. Matthew 2, 11. Uh, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 11. I'm going to read it and we'll talk about it. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so this is part of the Christmas story, part of the narrative of, of, of Jesus' incarnation and what happened in, in surrounding his birth. But Jesus came not only as King of the Jews, he came as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? To rule and to reign over the entire earth and have a kingdom that's comprised of every tongue, every nation, and every tribe. We read about that in Revelations, that God's intent is to draw people from all, all nations into his kingdom. So it's fitting that the first people, think about it, the first people that come and worship Jesus are not Jews. They're wise men from these, are magi. And so they're from another nation that came over, that recognized, no doubt had uh, studied the Jewish uh, scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, and had discerned uh, that there was uh, the birth coming, and they come and they, it says, uh, and they worship the Lord Jesus. So here's Jesus, the King of Kings, being worshipped um, by uh, the Magi. And we want to look, so this is the first... Um, biblical demonstration or description of what worshiping the Lord Jesus is. And so it's, it's valuable to us to study this and, and to learn how to worship Jesus by how they worship Jesus. Does that make sense? All right. So when we come to Jesus, what, what, what did their worship look like? Well, the first thing they did was they fell down. They bowed immediately to the ground 
as they saw uh, the child. <clears throat> and, uh, um, you know, so there's a bodily action involved, active participation. I think this connects directly with the idea of koinonia and participating, that you're active participating in worship. They actually did something with their body. And, and uh, as Americans, in our culture, we tend to separate, and actually ever since the Renaissance, actually, uh, and the Reformation, we've kind of removed worship and our experience with God from, from being physically active. But when you look at Scripture, it's, it, it, all through Scripture, using your body in forms of worship is very, very important. So there's bodily action. And then it says, and worshiped Him. Now, this is kind of interesting because the word, the Greek word says they fell down, which is one word meaning to, to fall to the ground. And then the next word, worship, means to prostrate, which means to fall down. So basically it says they fell down and fell down. <laughs> and, and most likely what, what this looked like is, is similar to, it takes me a little, I'm a little slower now that I'm older, but they probably fell to their knees, <clears throat> right? They fell down and then they worshiped. Right, and so and, and so and prostrate. They went all the way down, and uh, to this day, Muslims worship uh, that way. That's the way they're taught how to pray uh, five times a day. They have to do that a lot. It's probably good for their knees. <laughs> but we also know that early Christians and even some uh, uh, Christians in in the Eastern uh, traditions actually worship that way. And pray that way. That's how they're taught the the, the bow and then the, the uh, prostrate themselves in that way. And 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 um, even some of the words translated worship literally mean to bow down to both in the Old and the New Testament. And um, worship throughout the Scripture. This is the point. Involves your whole body. It's not. It's not just the state of mind. All right. Worship is not just a state of mind. It involves using your body to express what's what's on your mind that's ultimately what what it should do there should be a unity and not a division uh, uh not a not a fragmentation but a unification of mind and body in worship to the lord jesus christ um it is not merely worship is not merely agreeing to right doctrine as important as right doctrine is that's really not part of, of worship these, the Bible says these people worship Jesus, right? Right? Did they have right doctrine? Probably not. They were, from, they were not. They were magi, you know. Well, we magicians. Probably into Harry Potter. <laughs> no, it's a joke. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, we we know very little about them. Uh, but. It didn't. It didn't require what it. They didn't probably have all the right doctrine. What what they did know is they knew how, and most importantly, they knew who to worship. And so we see a picture. So it included bodily action, and it included heart action. It says they they did this in reverence and adoration. That's what that's what the word meant. Uh, they fell down. They prostrated themselves in reverence. And adoration. So that was an expression. That's how they expressed bodily reverence and adoration. And similar to the idea of, that we see in Koinonia of intimacy. There was a heart connection here. It wasn't just outward doing acts. It wasn't just a mental idea that they agreed to. But it was a, a, an expression of that. Their heart 
uh, and their bodies working together. It says, and then they opened their treasures. They presented gifts of, to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And say, wor- worship also included giving things of value. So along with the bodily action and the heart action was a material action or an objective demonstration of, of the idea of koinonia that we found in koinonia of contribution. Right? And this is the New Testament example of worship. This is what worshiping Jesus looks like. Amen? All, right. All three of them are combined. This is what uh, fellowship is in, included of. All three of them combined. It's, it works together. I actually, some people get uh, uptight about the idea of, of uh, the way we celebrate Christmas and giving gifts. and No doubt some people get uh, um, misuse it and misunderstand it and get caught up in the materialism. I, will, I have not ever stood outside of a store to get into it. Who would ever stand in line to get into a store? It's beyond comprehension. I know. Haven't you ever heard of Amazon.com? <laughs> I don't even go to stores anymore, man. I just click the button. They bring it to my door. I love it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the idea of giving gifts, giving gifts is great. I think it's a fantastic idea uh, to celebrate Christmas by giving gifts. Uh, and it's actually partly based on this story that, here at the first celebration of, of uh, when people came to celebrate the birth of Jesus and the first Christmas, there was giving of gifts, right? And it was also uh, in reference to the indescribable gift that God gave in sending His Son. Jesus Christ was the gift, and so giving gifts at Christmas time is a great way to express the true meaning of Christ- Christ- Christmas. You know, yes, it's not the only meaning. It, it should be connected to the true meaning, but that's what the, the true meaning is, is that we were giving such, such a, a wonderful gift. And so I would ask us, when we look at the wise men and how they worship, the three ways they worship, how are you doing that? How are you expressing worship through your body? Yeah. And, and yeah, it's going to look different in our culture, uh, but we need to find ways, right? And not just dismiss, oh, we don't have to do that. No. If you want to worship Jesus, all through Scripture, worship included doing things, participating, acting out what's in your heart. How are you with the area of reverence and adoration, the heart action? Where's your heart at? Are you here just out of obligation? Are you a Christian because, you know, your parents forced you into it? Or has it, be, has it become dead in your heart? Where's your heart action? Stir it up. You know, real worship includes the heart. And the third one is the material action, the contribution. And let's understand that they are connected. And, and what's happened in our culture, but I think I've, I've been in many different countries, and it's, if anything, it's probably worse in other cultures, and that there's a, there's just this, it's just a human condition, it's a human problem, and that there's a separation, an artificial separation between what we consider to be part of this world and our, like our finances and our job and the bills, right? And just the day-to-day life that we have to deal with. Uh, and in our spiritual life, oh, where's God? What's my destiny? And heart issues. And, and it's really easy to welcome God into that side of, the, of our life and keep the other side as though it was somehow uh, distinct and separated. And I'm here to say it's not separated. God came to make them one. 
All right, and it, it's actually, you know, I could go into the history of the thought process, but it's just the reality that we're not to live as though that's a different life. It's to be one life. And what happens <clears throat> when you see that material contribution and heart uh, action and bodily actions are all, all forms of uh, biblical worship, it actually sanctifies, it makes holy and precious all of the stuff that falls under the category of worldly or your job and how you earn money and how you spend the money, how you spend all your money, all of a sudden becomes intertwined with your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes that uh, sanctified. It, it takes it to a different level. All right? It's no longer mundane when you do it with Christ and with Christ's uh, uh, objectives. You see that finances and money are merely another tool to advance the kingdom of God. All right? And then we also understand that all of that has direct effect on heart issues. And heart issues has, have direct effect on whether you're content with what you have or, or whether you're positioned to be promoted. All promotion, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. And specifically talking about giving, it's talking about promotions, all right? And so understanding that our life with God, our spiritual dynamics of our life, the heart issues are connected with the financial issues, and the financial issues are connected with the heart issues is, is extremely important in order to live a godly life and in order to worship in order to worship the Lord Jesus Christ wholeheartedly, according to Scripture. All right, amen? <clears throat> I'm going to read a couple other verses. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16. Uh, this is in the Old Testament, establishing, this is be, as they were entering in, in, really, the Israelites into the promised land, and they, uh, 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 through Moses and the law, established a culture that uh, um, uh, teaches us many things about the kingdom of God. And I'm just going to pull out this one part of it. It says, three times a year, verse 16, chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place for which he chooses, at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Boom. <laughs> Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. All right, so from the beginning, actually, even all the way back in Genesis, offerings were part of worshiping God. Right? What did Cain and Abel do? They both brought offerings. You know, and, and throughout history, we see that there's a, the, an act of bringing something of value is an essential aspect of worshiping God. And here, uh, we see that uh, uh, offerings uh, are required when you come to worship God. No one should, uh, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So this, this, this verse is both a command, but it also should, should set your understanding, your mindset concerning worship. That when you come, you should, ha you should be prepared with something to give. Not only financially, but of your heart. You know, as the New Testament scripture says, when you come together, let everyone come with something ready to share. All right, uh, koinonia. <clears throat> um, and I believe this kind of defines worship as being a two-way interaction from God. And there's a giving and the receiving by both the participants, the, the people, and God. You know, God receives the offerings and the worship, 
and he re returns again. He gives his blessing and his favor and his presence. And man receives God's blessing and his favor and his presence. And, and, and man gives the offering, right? And the adoration. And so worship is this two-way interaction. And it says, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of God. All right? Uh, and so here we have again, as I talked uh, previous weeks, that there's a command for proportionate giving. You give a proportion of your income. And all through Scripture, the base proportion is 10%. Uh, it's called the tithe. It goes to the house of God. It goes to the place where you worship. And, <clears throat> and then there's many offerings in addition to that. I'm not going to teach on all the other types of offerings, but there's alms and you know, other free will donations and different things that God may lay on your heart to give. But that giving is proportionate to what, what God has given you, but you can expect an exponential return. Proportional giving, exponential return. That's the faith aspect of it. If you just give out a obligation, obligation. If you give out of obligation, <laughs> you know that's not what God's asking. You give an expectation, expectation of the exponential return. All right. Second <clears throat> Samuel twenty-four. Uh, um, uh, verse 24 through 25, this is another situation uh, where um, uh, it's actually David. And what happened was there was a plague that was uh, coming through the land and many people were getting sick and dying. And, um, and David the king actually saw an angel in a particular field and he realized that he needed to make an offering to God to end this plague. <clears throat> uh, and so wouldn't it be Interesting if the president saw an angel and said, we need to make an offering to stop, stop this financial cliff. <laughs> All right. All right. So here we have the king of Israel actually saw an angel and, he, and, and the angel was standing in this particular field. And so he wanted to make an offering and he, was gonna, he went to the owner of the field to, to buy the field. And, the, um, and the, the owner said, no, you can have it and you can have all these oxen and the wood. You just have it and do your offering, man. I'm all for it. But the king said to Aruna, the owner, says, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. Now remember that David was the author of most of the Psalms. He was the worship leader of the Old Testament and sets the tone of worship, man after God's own heart. And we see in this passage a principle that he lived by. He was not willing to make an offering that didn't cost him something because he knew that that wouldn't be actual worship. Right? He refused. He had to pay for it. Because that meant that, that in his mind, that meant that there was cost involved. And so you need to ask yourself, you know, how are you living that out in your life? It really doesn't cost much to come and sing songs. I love worship. I love contemporary worship, worship music, singing songs. Singing songs are an important aspect of worship. But listen, worship involves much more than that. If worship doesn't cost you something, you haven't found biblical worship yet. All right? Yeah. You know, and biblical worship can change a nation like it did right here yeah. uh, and end the plague. Um, 
And so when we worship the Lord, but separate that worship from everything that has monetary value in our lives, we are diminishing the place of God in our life. That, that separation I talked about earlier, listen, if we, when we worship God, if we take, keep that worship separate from everything that has monetary value in our lives, what we're really doing is diminishing the place of God. We're making God smaller. We're saying, God, you don't apply to all of this. You don't apply to all the purchases that I make and my job and my bills and my mortgage and my debt. No, it's, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's diminishing God. We can't do that. Worship should include the expression of God's worth in our lives, and it should be demonstrated in the offerings that we give and also how we use all of our income. Amen? Yeah. All right. Now, this, this doesn't mean that giving earns you anything from God. Because ultimately, in another place, and David expresses it this way, and this is so important for us to understand, um, this is another uh, story, it was the end of the story, where they made this giant collection. They actually challenged the whole nation to, to bring an offering. This was in addition to the tithes, in addition to all the other offerings that the Jewish people had. They wanted to build the temple, so they raised all of the resources to build this temple, and they brought in more than enough. And David says, it's recorded in First Chronicles 29, 13 through 17, it says, Now we thank you, there it is, gratitude. Uh, there's, because of the generosity of the people, gratitude is, is, is presented to God. Now, we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. It goes on, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. Another key principle from, the, from David, the uh, person who we learn what worship is all about, is the understanding that everything we give to God ultimately came from God to begin with. Yeah. Now, yes, you went out and you earned a job. Uh, you earned the money by working a job, but you were only able to do that because you were first created, you know? <laughs> you exist because of God. and You have a healthy enough body to work because of God's grace on your life. And, and so many things in your life are so dependent on God's grace. Every second we are dependent on the air that we breathe. You know, that was all part of His creation. And so everything we acknowledge really is His. And so we're just giving back. David says, we're just giving back what was already yours. And says, for we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. So here we have again this combination of gratitude, of a heart willing to offer, but also actually making it happen by, by giving and, uh, and demonstrating that by, by contributing. I've said in the previous weeks that I wanted to take some time for prayer because when we talk about these things, <clears throat> and if you've been around here long, I don't speak on giving very often. Um, uh, in fact, this is the first series I can remember that I taught on it. But um, it does bring up conviction or shame uh, for people if you haven't given. 
Uh -huh. if, if you have it, and I shared earlier that a large percentage of the people that call this their church, um, again, we can pull up the numbers from the computer without knowing individuals, but you know, 20% haven't given anything year to date, and another 20% only give an average of a few dollars a week. And so, you know, some of you may be in the category where you haven't, and this, hopefully you're receiving this as something to set you free, something that God uh, will free you in, and you'll be able to experience more of what God has. That's the intention. We don't want there to be condemnation. You know, God's Word comes to empower us to live a right life, it doesn't come to make us feel bad because of what we've done wrong. There's grace and forgiveness. So we just want to pray through that. And another issue someone brought up to me is that, um, <clears throat> you know, some people may have given in the past um, and, and have been abused or taken advantage of, or uh, churches or leaders may have misused finances, um, and there may be a need to forgive. All right, uh, past churches or past leaders. See, that's a heart issue, and that affects your financial situation and what your willingness to give to God. And so we want to forgive if there's any, uh, any need for forgiveness. I would just like you to, to be ready to forgive. We're going to pray here in a minute. Um, and then also <clears throat> receive forgiveness by, by repenting. If you acknowledge what I've been saying is, is biblical and the right right before God, that you need to do this and you haven't been doing it, then all you have to do is repent. And that means a change of heart and mind that's followed up with a change of action, that you decide that you're going to start living God's way with God's help. You're going to give proportionate. You're going to expect an exponential return. And, and if you repent, there's forgiveness. All right, It's been paid for on the cross. Jesus Christ died to take all the shame, all the guilt, all the curse. You don't need to live with that. Um, if there's any other issues, if there's been uh, a lack of integrity in finances, God wants to, you know, that's another aspect. I can't talk about that, but giving is one pillar, as you, if you will, in, in, fin in, the, in your financial life. Another pillar is financial integrity. And so if there's been a lack of financial integrity, if you've stolen or if you've cheated, if <clears throat> you've been dishonest in any way, you know, that'll hinder how much God can, can put in your, into your trust. And so you may need to repent of that um, or forgive someone for, for stealing or cheating you. All right? Um, so let's just, we're just going to take a minute here and just be quiet uh, and ask God to reveal uh, maybe a heart issue. Uh, just, we just come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would uh, speak to each person here. You know, if you don't hear anything this moment, uh, just uh, um, throughout the day, throughout the next few weeks, keep your heart and mind open. But we're just going to take a moment and try to listen and see if there's, if there's an issue that comes to your heart, and then we'll pray through it.
Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you that your word says that if we confess our sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, ungodliness. And so, Lord, um, I'm just going to speak for the congregation, uh, anyone here, Lord, that, uh, and for myself, in any way I have failed to live biblically, to live and worship with my material goods. Lord, I, I repent. Uh, if I've been unethical, lacked integrity in any way, Lord, we repent. Uh, Lord, if there's any way that we are doing so unwittingly, unknowingly, we ask that you would reveal it. Lord, if there's, uh, if there's people in our lives that have taken advantage, churches, leaders, other individuals uh, that have stolen or cheated or manipulated or hurt us in the area of finances, Lord, for each individual in this one, I just pray that, they, that, that that situation would come to mind and that each individual would be able to forgive that other person or organization or church uh, and release them. And Lord, uh, we forgive them in Jesus' name. And we, we release them into your hands and we declare our, ourselves released from that offense. Thank you, Jesus. So confess, uh, Lord, I just have a sense of confess of fear in the area of finances. Fear uh, in not being able to trust that you're going to provide. Fear that motivates us to to take this area of our lives into our own hands. And I just confess that that's, that's a f- lack of faith. Uh, and I, in, for the congregation, I, we repent of that in Jesus' name. Let's just say out loud, Father, Father I, repent I repent of all sins, of all sins concerning, finances. concerning finances. And I repent of separating that part of my life life. from the part where you're Lord. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask that you would be Lord of all my life. And I bow my finances as well as my whole life before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I receive forgiveness even as I forgive those who have sinned against me. from any offense in this area. area. And I I thank you you for cleansing me and washing me and setting me free free. in every way, including financial. financial. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. Yeah. So there's freedom from curses, you know. There's freedom from bondages. There's freedom from limitation God wants to bless you to the to the amount where there's an overflow an overflow the windows of heaven opens up so that you have so much material goods that you you have to figure out how to give all this stuff away really really that is not just we need to change our it's a mindset 
The, the battles, all spiritual battles happen between two ears, okay, in your head. And a mindset of, believe, of having a meager mentality, that I'm just do I have enough to make it, or, you know, a mentality of God's generous uh, provision, uh, uh, abundant provision, exponential provision, and believing that and, and expecting it and then living now, making your decisions and your actions based on that belief, and not based on the belief of fear that how am I going to make it? That's the difference. So, Father, I just bless that for each and every person. Bless that as on this church, that as we experience 100% koinonia in all ways, that this body would be able to, to excel and do more and, and have a bigger impact in our community and the world through the faithfulness of each individual. And I bless each person here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Julie has some announcements. Welcome her. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Excellent, excellent encouragement. Whew. So I am here to greet you all, say 